Welcome, friends, to another episode of Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as my wonderful friend Linda loves to say, it's the show that helps you grow. Such pep for a morning recording. That's a great job, Linda. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's right. That's Linda. I'm Jason. We are both um, on the spiritual growth team at Saddleback Church, and uh, we're always happy to get to have fun conversations with you guys every Tuesday about lots of different things. We've been in this series looking at the book Beloved Dust by Kyle Strobel and Jamin Goggin. We, our first um, episode in this series was a conversation with Kyle Strobel, kind of just setting up the idea of Beloved Dust. What does that mean? And then we did a conversation... Well, we did two conversations on two of the main themes of the book, one on rest and then one on prayer. And so for today's uh, final conversation about this book, we're going to have a wonderful talk with uh, the other co-author of the book, uh, Jamin Goggin. And uh, Jamin, he uh, used to work at Selby Church. He was the pastor of spiritual formation here. And then um, now he is a co-lead pastor at Mission Hills Church in San Marcos, California. And... I've known Jamin for a while. He, uh, I was in a little bit of a small group type thing with him a number of years ago. He's <laughs> great. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with him. And we're going to be talking about kind of how do we develop rhythms of rest in prayer in our life. So it's really going to be uh, an episode to tie a bow on our whole conversation around this book. So uh, let's join our conversation with Jamin. Jamin, thanks for being here. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about the book. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. All right. So so we're going to dive in, not at the very beginning, but towards the later part of the book. We're jumping at page 187 um, because we're, we're, we're kind of taking this from a kind of an overall perspective um, as we're talking about this idea of building rhythms and thoughts. But we wanted to start with this kind of topic of holiness. So on page 187, it says our goal for this book, um, which is always a great way to start a sentence. It really makes it, you know, clear for the reader. Okay, I got to pay attention right here. Our goal for this book is that you would learn to walk through the truth of yourself and the truth of God to embrace a deeper calling, the call to be holy. Holiness is not something you do, nor is it something you generate. Holiness is partaking in God's life and being caught up in the love of God. Holiness is the way of being with the God who is always with you. So, Jamin, believers have all kinds of ideas about what holiness is. So can you kind of unpack this call to holiness and what what does holiness even really mean when we're talking about it here? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think for many of us, uh, myself included, when we hear words like holiness or, uh, you know, maybe a, a kind of corresponding a connected word that maybe sounds a little more theological, like a word like sanctification. Um, I, I I think often we immediately think of morality or virtue. Um, you know, maybe simply put, when we hear these words, we often hear them as the requirement to be a good person, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of where we immediately move. And um, and then of course we all have a particular vision of what it might mean to be a good person. And presumably, if we're for Christians or for followers of Jesus, then that vision is is defined for us by Scripture, which is a good thing. Um, and of course, 
there's something kind of right about all of that, right? We're, mm-hmm. We are called to a particular kind of life. Uh, we are called to a particular kind of ethic as followers of Jesus. We're called to be people of a particular kind of character mm-hmm. that live our lives a certain way, right? And so there's something in that inclination we have that is biblically faithful, that um, is right and good. But there's a real danger here, I think. Um, if we move there first or kind of right away or in principle, you know, holiness just means I'm being a good person. And the danger here, I think, is that uh, maybe in the Christian life, we ultimately reduce um, our call or what the Christian life just is about to being a good person. And mm-hmm. God's call to holiness then is kind of somehow just a charge by God to work hard at being that good person. Right? I, I've done a lot for you. Uh, look what I've done in sending my son to save you. Um, aren't you grateful for that now? Hey, go be that good person I want you to be. And, and so maybe we hear that that biblical injunction, that biblical command to be holy as I am holy, as a kind of, come on, get it together. <laughs> just, be <more laughs> like, you know, just, just be more like me, wouldn't you? you know? mm. And um, I think, uh, yeah, so what, what we're seeking to signal in that kind of quote that you've read is that, that rather the, the biblical call to holiness is yes, to become um, a certain kind of person, um, uh, but um, we're becoming like God, or to use more biblical language, to be godly people. And in order to, to be godly, actually, um, requires being with God himself, right? So maybe to simplify it, there's a difference between being godly and being virtuous, right? Or the call to mm-hmm. a godly life and kind of what we tend to think maybe just in our culture or our world as kind of uh, having virtuous character qualities, right? That, that biblical call to holiness or godliness tells us that, oh, there's something here that requires us kind of getting in on what is God's. God is the holy one. Uh, or if we're called to godliness, it means somehow we're called to, to share in who God is, to participate in some way in his goodness, in his life, in his love. And so the call to holiness then is first and foremost a call to personal encounter, to to be with God. So the reason why we talk about it the way we do throughout the book is um, we want to really encourage followers of Jesus to make that their first move, right? The, the first move is not, oh, I, that's right. God wants me to be a good person. Now I got to work hard at being a good person. The first move is, oh, God's called me to himself, to know him, the Holy One. He's called me to be um, a partaker in his life, right? So that, that, that final sentence you read in the quote there, Jason, that holiness is a, a partaking in God's life. Well, that, that's a direct, uh, we're kind of directly extracting that out of second peter where, where the apostle peter says we are we're called to be partakers of the divine nature wow well, what does that mean and <laughs> that, that's something much more substantial and relational and intimate and communion oriented and fellowship oriented than just oh here's god over there and he has certain qualities and now i'm over here and i've got to kind of try to mimic or just do my best to kind of look or act like that this is a call now to to participate in his life, to share in his holiness. And so that's why we say holiness is a way of being with God who's always with us. And mm. so be holy as I am holy is really first a call 
to know the Holy One, to share in his holiness, to share in his life, to share in his love. Mm, that's good. So you moved kind of from that section to talking about being clothed with Christ. You, you borrowed Paul's imagery and you talked a lot about being clothed with Christ, the putting off, the putting on out of Ephesians. And can you talk about that a little bit? Because as we're talking about, you know, we want to be with God and then these things come, but then there's this list of like, put this off, put this on. It begins to feel really overwhelming, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so how does, how do we, how do we go from being with God and the putting off? How does that all happen together? Yeah. Great question. Well, and see, this is where I think, um, we can really be tempted to, um, and maybe to use a word I used earlier, again, to be kind of reductive. It's kind of either this or either that. It's either I'm working really hard to kind of be a good person. And now this is kind of this um, uh, self-help project of like, well, you know, it's just about me kind of working hard and trying to be, trying my best, to, hardest to be obedient. Or I don't really have to do anything. And I guess God's just going to kind of like, you know, maybe sprinkle his magic pixie dust on me sometimes and I don't make me a better person, but there's really nothing I can do, right? Rather, the vision we're getting in scripture is, again, to use that language of participation or fellowship, right? We, we do have a part to play. We, we are a real person with a will, with affect, um, with choice, and we're called to engage, right? Um, but we can't kind of make ourselves godly, right? This is make ourselves holy. Um, these words are meant to signal, oh, there's something God has. And I, apart from him, I, I can't even get in on that. I can't, right. I can become a virtuous person, but that's actually not godliness. Right? There's a lot of people who are virtuous people, mm -hmm. but aren't godly. Mm -hmm. um, their virtue or their character, even if it is patience or gentleness, isn't born out of a deep fellowship with God and, mm -hmm. and ordered in a kind of alignment with, with God relationally. Right. And so that's what, that's kind of what our aim is as Christians. And so, so I think the first thing I'm trying to signal is what this doesn't mean is we somehow kind of mute or ignore commands um, or calls to a certain kind of character in the Christian life. So put on kindness and patience. Mm -hmm. and, right. Um, and yet we also recognize, oh, when Jesus talks about these things, he talks about them as fruits of the spirit. Right. Not fruits of hard work or fruits of my, my resolve or fruits mm -hmm. of a will that just won't give up, <laughs> but fruits of the spirit, which maybe this helps draw some connective tissue with the first question, you know, the, the Holy spirit. Well, Holy isn't his first name. It's yeah. not like Jamin Godwin, right? <laughs> right. Uh, right. The, the Holy spirit, third person of the triune God, uh, God of God himself. Right. Um, the spirit is the spirit of holiness. In other words, what scripture is signaling to us is the spirit's the one who brings holiness, who brings God's holiness into our lives, who forms us into the holiness that is our call to be formed in the image of Jesus. The spirit's the one that kind of primary agent of change, right? Forming us into the character of Christ as we share in the person of Christ by the spirit. So this is a Yes, there's a call to a certain kind of life, and we're called to participate in that, to kind of present ourselves to that work. But we're also called to recognize, oh, the Spirit's the one here who's really doing that change of, of aligning our hearts with God, of drawing us into deeper fellowship with Christ. The Spirit's the one who unites us with Christ, who uh, uh, makes it possible for us to commune with Christ. And so maybe a helpful just anchoring biblical text, and maybe this is one that Kyle even re referenced in a, a previous 
um, conversation here about beloved mm-hmm. dust, but one I think that would be helpful to go back to because it really helps, I think, get at this, this maybe integrative view, uh, helpfully, is what, what Jesus says in John 15. Mm-hmm. In John 15, there's this clear call to obey him. If you right. do not obey my commands, you, you're, you're not, you don't share with, you don't share in my life. You're not, you're not really my disciple. Whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can hear that as, oh man, I bet, I guess I better work really hard to obey some of these commands. Cause I'm, right. I'm not in the club <laughs> if I don't. Right. Well, and, and Jesus wants us to hear the weight of the command. Right. And the command is to love fundamentally, mm-hmm. right. The, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, all of those those other things in the list are really just expressions of love, right? Mm-hmm. The, the first and fundamental command, love God to love our neighbor. All these other things we might talk about, patience or kindness, they're ways of loving. But Jesus says, you got to be loving if you want to follow me. But, but then he makes it clear, but there's only one way to do that. Yeah. If you abide in me, if you abide in me, then you'll produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. And actually in the Greek there, um, uh, New, Te- uh, New Testament scholars refer to what happens in the Greek there as double negation. So when it says nothing, it's like nothing, really nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus is trying to signal for us, look, I-, I am calling you to a certain kind of life. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear the command to be a certain kind of person. That- that- that's not kind of off the table here. But I want what I want you to hear is the only way for you to become that kind of person mm-hmm. is to abide in my love. Then you're going to flourish or produce much fruit or the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be a loving person if you abide in loving relationship with me. So when we hear Paul's call there in Colossians 3, I think that's the passage you're, you're referencing if memory serves correct. It's like 3 verses 9 through 14, I think, um, to put off and, and put on. There's kind of putting off vice or putting off sin, putting on right the, the kind of character of Christ or the fruits of the spirit. Um, we are called to hear that as a call to obedience, to faithfulness, to participation. Um, but we're all we're also called to remember there's only one way to do that, right? There's an right. order of how this happens. So that putting off and putting on is first and foremost a call to abiding, loving relationship with Christ. Mm. That's good. And 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 it brings us kind of into where we wanted to spend kind of the bulk of the conversation, which is which is, you know, the podcast is doable discipleship. So we're always looking for kind of those, okay, now how do we take these steps? How do we take this conversation around holiness that we've been having around this living the new life, the putting on the putting off. And in the conversation that we've had writ large about this book, especially around, around prayer and rest that we did full um, episodes about was how do we start to develop these rhythms in our life? Rhythm was a big part of the book too. It's kind of talking about, finding these rhythms to constantly be um and and practice these these habits these 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 modes of relationship so Mm -hmm. at the end of the book you you talk about three suggestions for moving towards a life of holiness which is what we talked about earlier um so so the first one that you mentioned is 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 saying to pay attention to your life. And in fact, it says on, on page 20, on page 191, you, you describe this as seeking to discern the truth about who you are before God by attending to the spirit's guidance and wisdom so that you might present yourself to God. So let's dive into what that means a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it's, 
this kind of invitation towards the end of the book is meant to be, I think, a little bit of a, okay, so I hear this call to be with God who's always with me, or I hear this call to draw near to God and the truth of myself. Um, but what I also hear you saying, Jamin and Kyle, is um, this isn't just, God is the primary agent of change. Uh, it's God's presence that is transforming. Um, uh, ultimately, the Christian life is about being with God and knowing mm-hmm. God. And yet, what I also hear you guys saying is, I have a part to play in that, right? I don't mm-hmm. just kind of sit around and wonder if God might do that sometime. I, <laughs> I wonder if today's the me. day where I feel <laughs> right. God changing or, me. <laughs> I just changed me. Right. Yeah, there's, there's a, I think the doable discipleship language is still really helpful. Again, what I just tried to signal, it's not a kind of an mm-hmm. either or here, right? It, yeah. it is about right ordering. It's about yeah. an understanding of how that relationship is ordered. And so, yeah, these principles are kind of, towards the end of the book, are meant to be our way of saying it. Yeah, Here's some of the things that we are, I think, called to do to pay attention to God's work, to present ourselves to God's work, mm-hmm. to um, be available and open uh, to God's work. And so that, that kind of call to uh, attend to one's life or listen to one's life, pay attention to one's life, is really just a call to discernment. Um, mm-hmm. Other language that I like to use that I don't think showed up in Beloved Dust, but I often use in other teaching settings is the language of watchfulness. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. This is um, language that was really in some ways popularized in the history of the church by the Puritans, a a way of talking about um, discernment uh, and and, and kind of awareness of God's activity in our life that recognized um, that there's, there's two primary features there. Actually one is, I want to be watchful of God's work. I want to kind of pay attention to how God's on the move in my life, right? Um, but also, I want to be watchful. Or I, w- I want to pay attention to my own heart, right? And right. so, uh, as I'm engaging in the spiritual life, I'm, I'm also kind of I'm paying attention to h- how is God communicating Himself? What what might God's calls or invitations be? What, practical terms: Is there a moment of conviction and God's trying to kind of signal something to me about an area of sin in my life or about? something going on that I need to pay attention to or confess. But likewise, I want to pay attention to my own heart uh, as I engage in the Christian life, because I want, I want to, I, I, again, the goal is always to present myself in truth to God. And so um, this, I think um, maybe helpfully can just be collapsed into one fundamental, ultimately fundamental spiritual discipline of the Christian life, which is prayer. Right? That um, this kind of call to watchfulness or discernment isn't just kind of thinking about my life. And at least for myself, I find this actually to be a real temptation. I, I think it can be for others, right? So when we hear discernment or pay attention to your life, or maybe even a word like watchfulness, and, and maybe we hear someone say, you know, kind of pay attention to what God's doing or, or kind of pay attention to what's going on in your own, you know, your own heart or your own life, um, that actually can can click us into oh yeah I, I want to think about that why am I acting that way how could I act differently or what might God be doing we can do a lot of that actually and never enter into kind of a prayerful conversation mm. with God about it right mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can be really tempted by that um, we can do I think even in our culture it's become more popular to do kind of self assessment and self reflection and sure. but again there's a way of doing that that has nothing to do with God. Right. And right. so the invitation here is really to a life of prayerfulness about one's life, right? Not just praying, but kind of a prayerful posture of watching and attending what's God doing here and you know, what's going on in my heart. And, 
And now, Lord, I want to talk to you about that. And so it's about mm-hmm. encounter. It's about communion, not just about self-reflection or self-analysis or kind of taking stock of an inventory of what's, what, what I'm doing and how I want to be better. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really an invitation to be honest about one's life. So I think some of the ways we talk about this practically in that section of the book are, you know, for example, when we go to church, maybe we go to church every week, or we, we, do our, we do our time of devotion, even in kind of spiritual practices, I think there's an invitation in the doing of those things, not just to show up at church and worship and hear a sermon, but also to kind of prayerfully consider, Lord, what's going on in this? And how am I experiencing you here? Am I, do I go to church every week and actually I, I have a hard time feeling like you're present and connected to me? And if so, well, how do I really feel about that? What's going on there? Lord, am I going to church just to kind of make myself feel better because I've made some mistakes in life and now I'm kind of ratcheting up my church attendance again. And really yeah. this is about me kind of feeling okay about me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That, that's good to know. It's good to know because now there's an opportunity to have an honest conversa- conversation with you, right? So in other words, it's an invitation to kind of pay attention, pay mm-hmm. attention to um, how we're experiencing God, to what God's doing, to our own hearts and how, how we're engaging God, paying attention to the ways we're tempted to avoid God, paying attention to the ways we're tempted to kind of use our, our devotion time really just to fix ourselves rather than be with mm-hmm, God, right? So there's mm-hmm. this kind of constant attentiveness, watchfulness. What's really going on in this? And now I want to talk to God about that. Yeah, I've I've found myself kind of doing that before. You talked about hiding by serving as just one of yeah. the examples of that. And I know in my own life, I've found there were times when things were sort of out of control in my life. So I was like, I'm just going to serve Jesus the very best that I can. And that's, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make everything right here, you know, but I was, I was just struck by the call to kind of slow down a little bit and say, Hey, <laughs> what's yeah. going on here? And yeah, yeah. kind of redirect my thinking to, okay, this is not, this is not the right thing. Like I can't fix this, you know, whatever's broken in my life by serving more. Like that's not the answer, you know? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I I think, um, you know, I don't know, 16 years into pastoral ministry now, what I would say Mm -hmm. is I often notice to some degree, there's a generational difference here in how we respond to kind of the authenticity of our spiritual practice. And uh, it's not always the case, but often what I find is now, folks that are older than me, um, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, there's a little bit of a, um, not like, I'm just going to do it because this is the right thing to do. And I'm going to mm-hmm. go to church and I'm going to tithe mm-hmm. and I'm going to serve because that's what good Christians do. And I'm just going to do it. And, you know, I, I, like wh- whether I feel connected to God or not, whether um, I'm really communing with God, whether I'm kind of. Uh, there's just, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to work hard at that. And, and oftentimes there's, there's not really a pause to recognize whether that is, is kind of congruent with our heart. Like, do I, am I really, is there really a desire here? And if not, what does that mean? Am I just doing this out of duty or am I doing this out of intimacy with Christ? But I think ironically on the other end, uh, often I find maybe folks a, a little more in my generation, but often younger than me. Um, there's kind of like a, well, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm not going to be inauthentic. You know, I'm not going to go to church until I really feel like I want it, you know, because I don't want right. to just go through the, the kind of the religious rituals and rites, and I'm not going to live that kind of dutiful life. And so, you know, I'm just going to, you know, 
until I really desire it. You know, my heart's got to really desire it. And if I don't, I'm not really feeling it, then I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to be inauthentic. Well, there's something wrong about both of those approaches. Right. Right. <laughs> um, is what I would say. Um, there's temptations on both sides here, right? No, no, we are called to a certain kind of life. We're called to obedience. And it's not like Jesus is kind of saying, hey, just, you know, if you don't feel like going to church, just don't ever do that. Don't worry about it. You know, just <laughs> until you feel feel like you're up for it, doesn't matter. You know, well, you know, being led by our feelings is pretty foolish, right? There's a lot right. of things I feel like doing that I shouldn't. <laughs> and there's a lot of things Imagine that I don't that. feel like doing that I, that I am called to do, right? But likewise, just kind of doing the right thing to do the right thing because that's the right thing um, and never paying attention to where my heart really is in it. Well, now I'm lacking kind of the, actually the purpose in all this, which is deeper relationship with God and knowing God and intimacy with God. So I guess what I'm signaling is to use your example into a service, you know, the answer is not, Oh, you know, I'm just going to serve and ignore my heart. But the answer also, also isn't, you know what? I just don't really feel like serving and I'm just not going right. to ever really do that. Um, the answer is no, God may be indeed calling you to serve. And you may have, you know, Five years ago in your life, you may have sensed a real clear call to serve in a particular ministry or with a particular people, and you're being faithful to that call. Um, the invitation is now I'm just going to be honest with God about what's going on in that. You know what, mm -hmm. Lord? If I'm on, I'm going to keep showing up to this, but I really want to pay attention to the fact that, you know what? I, I think I'm using this to ignore you and avoid you a little bit. I'm, I'm using this maybe to feel better about myself because some other, th other areas of my spiritual life feel dry and maybe a little hollow. I feel mm -hmm. disconnected and here. I feel productive. I feel like I'm getting something done. If I'm honest, I feel a little better about myself because um, I'm doing something good and I'm getting yep. feedback and that, that tends to feel pretty good. Yeah. So Lord, I, what I'm not necessarily going to do is just kind of like, well, that means I should never serve again. Right. But what I am going to do is I'm going to pay attention to that. And now yep. I want to have a conversation with you about that. Lord, what's really going on there? So I, I guess what I'm just trying to signal here is there's a call to, to, uh, uh, a faithful life, an obedient life, um, but but in that to be with God in honesty, right? Yeah. Lord, I'm, here I am at church, and if I'm honest, I'm going to sing these songs, and I'm going to present myself to you, and I'm going to worship you because I that that's that's your call. But you know, if I'm honest, I don't really want to be here. Mm -hmm. well, that's yeah. good to know, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like should I just <laughs> should I just kind of brush that aside and pretend like that's not there because you know. Um, God's kind of going, oh, I can't believe it. You don't want to be here. You know, it's, it's not as though God hasn't, no, God is unaware of this, right? And so mm -hmm. I think the invitation of the Lord is great, Jamin. Let's talk about that. You keep singing, mm -hmm. be here, but let's talk about what's going on in your heart. Like, you don't want to mm -hmm. sing. Well, there's not mm -hmm. joy in this. And mm -hmm. uh, well, th that's the heart of the matter right there, right? That's, that's the invitation of the Lord. Be with me in that. Yeah, and that's, and that's, pretty much the second suggestion that is made in the book as you're talking is, yeah. is that is that is that how do we reconsider how we do things to be doing them with god and, and kind of asking yourself this question but it kind of poses the question too of what why can that be so difficult for people like what are these obstacles that come up yeah. that that are so general for people to say ah maybe i don't want to do that or 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 they just don't yeah. even consider you know that yeah, idea. yeah well i think I, I think first, you know, we can't under, understate ever the impact of the fall in the orientation of our heart mm -hmm. 
and how we go about life. I mean, it, the, right. The, the move of Adam and Eve is to do life apart from God in the power of the self. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that, mm-hmm. that just, there's a lot we can say about what's going on in the fall and we can talk about it as pride and we can talk all kinds of things. But it, one fundamental thing we can say about it is rather than living life in dependence upon God and, and abiding kind of trust and dependence upon him, the move in the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis three is nope, we don't need God we're going to make it happen on our own. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if we could say a lot more about that, I'm not going to about, you know, what it means <laughs> to pick fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right. Rather sure. being dependent upon God to know kind of the truth of life, right. Waited in a life of faith and discernment, Lord, you teach us how to discern good. No, we just want to know, know how to manage life on our own. We're, we're just, we're going to have those tools and we're going to do it. Right. And so I think, we can't overstate that, that the perennial temptation then of the Christian life is going to be that, right? And we may be followers of Jesus, given our lives to Christ, the spirit now indwells us, but that, that kind of residue of the fall, right? That kind of default mode of original sin is to kind of do life in the power of itself. And I, I think um, it would just be folly to think that that could never show up in our spiritual practices. Yeah. Well, of course, of course we would never do that with our spiritual practice. Well, you know, just see the new Testament and see Jesus's conversations with the Pharisees about that. one. Right. I mean, it, right. This is just what we're talking about is what's going on. Right. Jesus never says, Oh man, it's terrible that they memorized the Torah. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. he never said, right. Um, the concern is not that they, that everyone should just abandon kind of these, these um, practices of obedience um, or abandon um, paying attention to scripture and investing one's life in it. No, Jesus isn't saying like, Oh, these guys got this wrong. What he's saying they've gotten wrong is they're doing it all in the power of the self apart from me. Right. So they encounter Jesus, the very one whom they're supposed to be connecting with, in the doing of this, right? You've read mm-hmm. scripture, you've read the scriptures so that you could, when you see me, know me and your heart is drawn towards me. And instead, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I've got my system and my thing figured out. of me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I guess what I'm just signaling is I don't think we can ever overstate that. And so maybe the first answer to it is, is that is a theological answer. But I, mm-hmm. I think in that answer, Jason, there's just like, oh, well, that's good to know, isn't it? It's good to know that because I think that the way we tend to think about it is, you know, I struggle with the temptation to kind of do life on my own uh, out there in the world. You know, when I'm at my job or when I'm, you know, in, in the earning of money or mm-hmm. in the, you know, um, uh, oh, I can be tempted in that I'm in a dating relationship and I got to be careful. Sure. But, you know, when I go to church and I'm doing church, like that's just a good thing. When I show up for a service project, that's just a good thing. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Right here, you're going to be tempted to do this in the power of the self, right? And often for the sake of the self, like to feel okay about the self, mm-hmm. to uh, assuage one's guilt, to kind of atone, self-atone for my sin. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm just signaling is, well, that's good to know, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and now then, rather than being kind of shocked by that or ignoring that, it's like, oh, that's good to know that's going to be a temptation for me. It's always going to be a temptation for me, actually. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what I want to do is, again, embrace a kind of watchful life where I go, oh, there it is, Lord. What do you know? 
I'm, I'm using service to kind of avoid you and to feel okay about me. Ah, of course I am. I want to talk to you about that. You know that, Lord, I want to talk to you about that. Now, maybe secondly, briefly, what I will say is I do think our culture in particular, and by our culture, I mean a couple things, Western American uh, contemporary evangelical church culture, right? which I am, I am warm-heartedly a part of, as mm-hmm. a pastor, right. you know, um, but it, we have a real proclivity for um, productivity, um, efficiency, right? This, this is just, this is the language of American culture. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a language that the evangelical church, contemporary evangelical church in, in America that I am a part of, has at many times kind of adopted um, without critically thinking through, is that really the language, we, the kind of language we want to be using mm-hmm. when we talk about the Christian life? This kind of, how do I measure? How do I manage? Is it efficient? Is it productive? Right. It, that, that kind of language is like, well, what we're not doing is kicking out cars in the Ford factory, <laughs> right? <laughs> But, but it can really start sounding that way. And, and, and I can start sounding that way, right? And I, I think it's just, there's a way of thinking about um, life that's very oriented towards um, that kind of pr- productivity, work, mm-hmm. accomplishment, achievement, um, measurement-oriented living. And it, it, it's, it shows up in our workspaces. It shows up in how we talk about the family life and the home. It shows up in how we talk about our kids succeeding and getting into college. It shows up, mm-hmm. in, shows up in sports and how obsessed we are with sports and the way we think about sports. And so I think, secondly, we also just need to be aware of like, oh, this is like, this is just the air I breathe mm-hmm. in culture. And often in the church, this is just the air we breathe when thinking about the Christian life. And Again, okay, well, that's good to be aware of. And, and maybe some of that isn't so healthy. And maybe that, way, <laughs> maybe. Maybe, that, maybe that way of thinking about my life, framing my life, right? Like if I just think about my children and my parenting through that kind of lens, like, well, what starts happening to our relationship and our intimacy, right? If it's mm-hmm. just about their achievements, their accomplishments, how to be efficient and productive, how to guarantee certain outcomes, how to measure those well, man, you know, I may get my son into USC and he may get a scholarship in football, but I may not really know my son and he may not really know me. Right. Right. And so I think the same thing easily bleeds into the way we kind of evangelical Americans think about the Christian life. Hmm. Yeah, that was really, that's helpful. Just thinking about that. So I just want to wrap up with the final suggestion that you made in the book. And it it was just simply to enter honestly into life with God. And as simple as that sounds, I mean, we've been talking about it. Yeah. It's just not, um, I, you know, I relate to the apostle Paul and that the more I grow in my relationship with God, like you think I'm growing in holiness, things should be getting better. Right. But the more I grow with him, the more I see, you know, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what yeah. is wrong with me? Yeah. And I mean, I'm hard on myself, mm. but then when I see these things, it's, I mean, I don't want to admit it to anybody else, let alone God. Mm. So being with God, honestly, the more I see, the more I tend to yeah. want to be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> and so, you know, on page 94, 194, excuse me, you said, we cannot encounter God's love if we're not honest, because it's in our honesty that we discover a depth of being known 
that transcends all other relationships in our lives. But that is so scary. You know what I mean? Because we're just barely learning to know ourselves and then to kind of open ourselves and bring that to God. That's terrifying. So at least for me, it can (laughs) be, right? I'll speak for me. Um, So how, what are practical ways when we see these things and we're either ashamed or fearful or embarrassed, how do we draw near to God in that space where we're kind of taken aback by what we're finding, you know, as we, as we learn and grow? Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, you're right. When I think about the, um, the, to use language we've been using throughout our conversation, when I think about the most holy people I've known, mm-hmm. um, the most godly people I've known, um, well, yes, I would say they are people who, um, have, uh, have in integrity, the kind of character of Christ in a kind of weighty sense and yet the thing that I think most marks them off as holy, godly, mature in Christ is they're the people who are most commonly quick to honestly acknowledge their weakness, their brokenness, mm-hmm. their failure. In other words, their profound need for God. That, 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 that's actually the sign of real maturation uh, in the Christian life is, um, oh, I, I need Jesus, man. I need Jesus. Right. Yep, yep. Those are the people who are most holy, not, not the people who are like, you know what? I need him less and less. Right. Yeah. 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 And that can be the temptation. So, um, I do think that maybe what I'll say here, Linda, is just that, um, uh, this is where uh, first pastorally, I would just want to acknowledge mm, different people are going to respond to this differently. And this is where there's, there's, um, there is a need for uh, pastoral care, uh, faithful mentorship, spiritual mm-hmm. friends who kind of, who know our, you know, for you, as you signal it, boy, I, I can really, um, I can lay the guilt on heavy on myself. Mm-hmm. And so it can be really scary drawing near to God and the truth of who I am, because I, I I'm really inclined to kind of beat myself up maybe. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm um, worried God's going to maybe just pile on and beat, beat, beat me up a little more. Um, or there's going to be more shame experience. There. Right. There's other people who I think actually don't so much experience that. And, and mm-hmm. there's a little bit at times, maybe of a presumption on God's love, right? Like um, who, who actually kind of would reject Paul's injunction of Romans. Like, shall we sin so that grace may abound? And Paul says, may it never be, but they're kind of saying like, no, no, yeah, let it be, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, God's grace, you know, and I just, I, you know, Hey God, I messed up again. Thanks for loving me. And I'm moving on. Right. So I guess what I'm just trying to signal is I, I want to be careful here. So I will say something to answer your question, but I want to be careful here and acknowledging mm, different people. Uh, now we're talking about relationship. We're talking about how you relate to God. We're talking about the, the kind of, uh, um, uh, maybe default ways of relating to him that can be impacted by our story, by the way we mm-hmm. were parented, by other trauma experiences in our life, um, by, you know, our own particular disposition we might have and different people can kind of show up to that very differently. Mm-hmm. I've, I've pastored people who terrified of being honest with God. And I've pastored people who were like, oh, I'm also God all the time. I don't really care. <laughs> right. And, and with almost kind of a, but almost with kind of a flippancy, like, sure. mm-hmm. but you're not really entering into that with him. Right. You're not really mm-hmm. feeling the weight of your sin. Actually, it's not confession there. It's kind of more just like, yeah, live and let live. Okay. Right. Well, that's not great either. Okay. So um, I do think 
in light of that then, um, part of the answer to this question is we do need others in our life mm-hmm. um, who can embrace embracing that kind of call of the of, of Christians to kind of the priesthood of all believers, right? To to kind of mediate God's presence to us. That's what a priest does, right? Brothers mm-hmm. and sisters right. in Christ are kind of mediators of, of God's presence who know us, who love us, who've invested life and relationship with us, and can help reflect to us and point us to the love of God in places that it's often hard for us to do ourselves, right? People who we've grown to know and trust and have relationship. Again, pastor, mentor, spiritual friend. Mm -hmm. I think this is where we do need the body of Christ to help with Right. 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 And um, it's not just kind of a me and Jesus. Right. that, that, that I think is a really important component. There have been times in my life where I've had a difficult time really entering into prayer, honestly with God about a particular area of my life, but it's been exposed and someone else who loves me and cares for me mm-hmm. meets me in that uh, mm-hmm. with the love of Christ that's in their heart by the spirit and actually opens up to me. Oh, you know what? It was safe to do with this brother in Christ. I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can talk to Jesus about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that was that. kind of the, the roadmap to getting me into prayer was a conversation with a friend. Hmm. So the, 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 maybe lastly, what I will say is um, uh, it is important for us to capture, to mark off and to remember the mo- the times in which God has met us with his mm-hmm. radical love. Mm, that's Unexpectedly. Right. Because I imagine in your life, Linda, like there may still be a fear there, for example, of drunk. But if, if, if I was, you know, if we were sitting together and like, you know, um, spiritual friendship conversation, mm-hmm. I, 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 and, and we were just talking about that, I might, I might begin to ask some questions like, well, have there been times in your life when you've, you have really been honest with God, right. kind of mm-hmm. on your knees, here I am, and, 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 and you encountered him? And you encountered right. his love. And I think your answer would be, I know you, you well enough yeah. to know. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, man, let's remember that. Together. What was that like? Right. And mm-hmm. like any relationship, right. We get scared to um, be honest with a friend or be honest mm-hmm. with a spouse about something, but what can be helpful is to remember the totality of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Good. I've done that before and all the more with God. Oh, you know what? God really has met me in his love. And maybe for mm-hmm. some of us, that's like our testimony when we got saved. Man, I was right. a mess. Maybe we go back yeah. to that. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And God saw the mess and said, I love you and I want you. Wow. Right. You know, or maybe it's just been another moment in prayer or confession in our life where mm-hmm. we did kind of take that risk and we shared and we knew the love of God and he met us in that. Well, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to forget those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is where little practices like journaling or yeah. some something to help us remember or telling a friend or telling a spouse or mm-hmm. somewhere like, hey, I want you to know this story because I want you to remind me of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's good. Mm, that's Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, sh- I should mention as we're wrapping up that um, if – if journaling is something that you're interested in, as Jamin just mentioned, um, when Jamin was at Saddleback, he wrote a journaling retreat, which we actually have up on the saddleback.com slash retreats page <laughs> so you can download and do yourself. It's it's done as a self-guided retreat. So 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 feel free to check that out. Um, I also want to mention, guys, make sure to check out 
the book Beloved Dust. That's what we've been talking about. You can find it on Amazon or, or wherever, um, uh, along with Jamin's other books, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb, which uh, I believe is being re-released a week from today of this episode airing, right? August 31st, I believe is when the revised edition comes out. And then um, his other book, Reading the Christian Spiritual Classics, um, are all available. So check those out. Jamin, really appreciate your time and being here. Oh, honored to be with you guys. It's a joy. Great, great, great stuff. Friends, we will be back with you guys next week. We're going to be starting a new series on trust. We're going to do a four-episode uh, look, deep dive into trust um, as, as a topic. So be sure to come back for that. Friends, we love you. And uh, we will be with you again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week 